This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive because when is expensive. I got expensive because when is expensive. I've been reading out of work. And I've been shutting down stars. And welcome to Put That Coffee Down, the freight sales show for closers. My name is Kevin Hill here, as always, with Richie Daigle. And we are going to be talking about consultative versus transactional sales. Oh, it's such a such an important topic. It is. It really is. And and it's, it's not that one, I, I want to say that it's not that one is better than the other. I think everyone will disagree with that. But you can be very successful with either one. But I think as a freight broker, you always want to, to get into that consultative type of sell, that, that longer-term longer relationship-based sell. That's the natural progression. But you know, like we're going to talk about today, it's really important to, to stay diversified and then also know what, you're, know what game you're playing at, at you know, that time that you're playing. You know, if, you're, if you're participating in a sale, if you're making a sale, you need to know, is this transactional? Or is this consultative and, and why? So that you can take the right approach. Yes, you, you do. Yeah, you have to know what game you're playing. Uh, if you have something designed, if you're doing some transactional business, you want to you want to set up the processes to make that as profitable as, as possible, even as you're reaching maybe for that consultative type of, of, of business as well. But you have to, to plan for each accordingly. They both have their own set of rules. There are their own ways of doing things. And that's what we'll talk about in, in just a second. And then we'll talk about it again with uh, Justin Smith. He's Vice President of Sales at Concept Logistics. He'll be joining us very shortly. But first, let's talk about surge transportation. It's uh, the fastest growing 3PL in the logistics space today. Based in Chicago and Jacksonville, they offer unrestricted access to almost all accounts, limitless territory, and a chance to be a key player in a growing company. To find out more, jobs at surgetransportation.com. Once again, that's jobs at surgetransportation.com. And that's just like a surge, S-U-R-G-E. So, Richie, let's, uh, let's dive into the differences between transactional and consultative sales. I think the first thing before we kick this conversation off is to define both of these terms. Yes. I think we need really good, clear definitions. And when you're thinking about transactional sales, when I'm thinking about transactional sales, I'm thinking you know, the, 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 the things that come to mind Price, features, availability, ease of purchasing, fast, speed. I want to. I, all I need to know is the basics. You know, what what's the price? Is it going to do what I need it to do? How available is it? And can I get it right now? When I think about co- consultative sales, it's all about value. Value is what's driving everything. So now there are there are problems that the the prospect or the client may not realize that they have, and so it's bringing those problems to light. It's going over this consultative process where you are displaying what you have to offer and the value that it can provide. And then, you know, now you have something that is uh, more of a long-term, typically a a little bit of a bigger price tag, but it's not something that's quick and and, uh, and, and fast. And the way that I think about it is bartending, right? So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, you know, if you're bartending at a club and you're throwing out 
you know, quick ice cold beers one after the other on a packed floor, that's transactional. If you are a mixologist at some high end place where you're going to sit down, have a conversation and learn about what your guest likes and, and mix drinks accordingly, that's more consultative. And it, it takes longer to, uh, to, to make those drinks. You're going to ask exactly what flavors they like, what, what alcohols they like. Um, you're going to really dig down and, and, and make a drink special to that person. And that drink is going to take a while to, to mix as well. And you're talking about a club where you're just popping caps off, off beers and, and slinging them. Then, you know, I mean, that, that you can be as profitable doing that as you can as a mixologist, but you have to have the right venue, the right volume of customers coming through for that to happen. One is not better than the other, and there's plenty of money to be made in both, but it's so important to know what game you're playing. Because if you're at a club, then some guy's in a hurry, and you're like, let me, let me mix this 25-ingredient cocktail for you. That guy doesn't have time for you. Like, mm-hmm. he's gone. Like, you, you missed that. And same thing, like, if you're at some high-end place and somebody's expecting to have a conversation mm-hmm. in this high level of service, and you're like, here's your beer, see you later. They're not happy. <laughs> so, like, you got to know what game you're playing in order to, to meet and exceed expectations. Or your watered-down drink, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your watered-down drink. So, so, a definition that, that I got online for transactional sales, it's a simple, short-term sell in which the customer already knows what he needs. So, little to no product knowledge is required on the sell side. Typically, these are product rather than service-based. Buying criteria usually hinges on price or ease of acquisition. And another way to think about it, too, is transactional equals price, features, availability, ease of purchasing. Consultive is more of value. You know, you're trying to build upon uh, high levels of value or ROI, you should say. Complex solutions. So not an easy solution, but something that you really have to dig into. Long-term goals for your customer and really unknown results. And that's, that's where the complexity comes into that. So that's a, a little bit... Uh, of how to think about whether it's a transactional sell or consultative and in transportation logistics, especially in freight brokerage, uh, that transactional lifestyle uh, is, is usually a tough lifestyle because your customers don't have a great amount of loyalty. It's price-based in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, not even features-based, but really price-based in, in quite a bit of that. So it's very difficult to it's very difficult to, to earn a living unless you set up a system to capture and be really good at transactional transactions, transactional freight. And that's where, you know, it, for me, I, when I think about transactional, I'm thinking about the spot market and spot market focused brokerages. And when I'm thinking consultative, I'm thinking this is contract focused brokerages that are, that are aiming to do something more than just find capacity, but really solution, you know, providing solutions mm-hmm. and, and problem solving. And, you know, to your point, you know, if you're going to be spot market focused and you think about those, those, you know, sales managers and the spot market uh, focused brokerages that are so adamant about numbers, hitting your numbers, your phone call numbers, your, you know, you're getting mm-hmm. people in the door and you're know, going back to that. You want to make sure that the club is full of people if you're just selling the two, three dollar beers. Right. And so like that's where. You know, the numbers driven thing is so important in transactional sales where consultative is a different beast entirely because you have to have space and time for problem solving and building relationships. And It's a and, different yeah. pipeline management. It is. It, it is. It's very different because transactional, you know, the, especially on the spot freight side, it's how many loads you move in today. 
how many do you have in the pipeline tomorrow? Whereas the consultant basis or con contractual, and it doesn't have to be the RFPs that, that we all might all think about that have hundreds of lines and a spreadsheet or a computer uh, software that shippers send over. It could be project-based. It could be uh, five lanes, right? Five lanes that are consistent. You know, these are can be consistent and you're going to own these five and you're going to help thing, help the, the, the customer out, you know, and then you get into the niches, right? Flatbed, heavy haul, hazmat, those type of things where you really do bring your expertise and your knowledge to the plate because usually your customer doesn't know that much about at least transporting this. I mean, you're supposed to be the expert and that's how you want to position yourself. And if you're doing a relationship-based or consultative, uh, that's what you have to do. A hundred percent. And then from a, the overarching standpoint of a brokerage, it's, I think it's important to have some diversity there so mm -hmm. that you have a certain amount of, of transactional spot, you know, based income as well as contract relational based income so that you're kind of diversifying your income. And when the, like the, the spot market's really hot, this can be really profitable. And when it's not mm -hmm. so hot, you, you know, contract is going to be better suited at that point. And uh, you're kind of making yourself a little bit more resilient you are. You are. You can capture like 2021 and back half 2020 when the spot rate is, is the spot market and contract market, the entire freight market really is going haywire. You can capture those, the, that consistent, you know, the, that consistent business that is through contract and you can make a little extra money in the good years on the spot. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of that, that risk management portfolio type of, of mentality. Uh, but someone else who knows a lot about this is the vice president of sales over at Concept Logistics, Justin Smith. He's joining us right now to talk about transactional and relationship-based selling. Thanks for joining us today, Justin. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Perfect. Okay, let's dive into this and, and let's talk about you know what, what the difference is. I, I know you have some experience. You started out your career more in transactional and now you're more in consultative type of sales. So the first question for all of us here is what is your definition of the difference between consultative and transactional sales in general or, or specifically in freight brokers? I, I actually think you guys answered that very well um, and defined that to start this. Um, when I first read the question, it actually got me thinking more along the lines of cradle to grave versus sales and, and ops models. Um, because those two are somewhat similar in the sense transactional is going to be a lot more your cradle to grave. Um, it's also hard to do the consultative sale or the relationship sale um, as a cradle-to-grave broker because you're limited to how much value you can add typically, and, and most of those models don't don't invest a lot in the data analytics and the the TMS side of things as well. So um, that's kind of how I define it. I, I do sprinkle in a layer of uh, of the sales and ops versus cradle-to-grave. Do you think cradle-to-grave is more transactional than than the Chicago style or or the split model. In my experience, it is, but there you know there's plenty of crossover. Um, it's interesting. My my first book of business I ever built was flatbed freight. It was cradle to grave. I was the sales rep. I was customer service. I was booking the loads and tracking them. And over time, I say a few of those relationships, you know, generated regular routine business. Um, you know, a lot of them were, you know, you're quoting to earn your business on every single shipment. So, um, so yeah, cradle to grave is a lot more uh, synonymous with the transactional side. Richie, I, I think you defined it in, in the beginning, you know, a, a great analogy with bartending. 
right? And mixologist versus, I, I, I think transactional, um, transactional is you, you earn the business every single time. You know, anything goes wrong, you're going to lose that, that customer because you have to price it, you have to price it to win it, and then you have to move it. And that creates a lot of issues, doesn't it, Justin? Is because sometimes to, to, to win it, you, you price it a little bit too low. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually the double-edged sword. Uh, that's why I've, I've really enjoyed transitioning the last couple of companies I've been at to a relationship sell, um, to that consultative partnership. Um, because those relationships typically can withstand a mistake or two. Um, and that's, that's the nature of it. Um, also, you're, you're in a better position to minimize the issues and mitigate risk if you've had the time to ask enough questions and develop a good plan for the customer. You guys mentioned ROI. You know, the transactional customer is not even considering that. Um, but the relationship customers... You know, those are those are ones that want to know their ROI. They want to know what are they going to get for this investment or for choosing for choosing us. So we, we mentioned uh, in the opening that, that most freight brokerages and most salespeople in any industry, you start out as transactional because you don't know what you're doing half the time. You don't know the terminology in, in any industry. You know, the the hotel or air hotel air. The travel industry is the same as well. Right, anything. You just don't know what you're doing, so you have to piece it together before you can, you know, even network and make the contacts to be able to reach out to the people you need to for for contract freight. So you're going to start out at transactional, just to to, to for your training basically to, to to make it. So so how do you how would you say Justin freight brokers should freight brokerages and freight brokers should think about and implement a strategy to go from transactional to relationship or consultative sales? Uh, that's, that's another good question. And it, it's kind of in the answer of what a relationship or a consultative partnership is. It's about adding value. Um, the second you start you know, proactively planning, um, that's when you start to get ahead of the reactionary quoting you know, of the transactional business. So you know, we do a lot of things. Um, for some customers, we build every single quote in our system so we can go back and look at their history, see what we lost, um, build a relationship with the customer where they tell you the winning rate every time. So you can see you know, the difference in their rates versus ours. Um, but more importantly, looking for repetitive lanes that keep going out in the spot market. Um, we see this quite a bit with a lot of shippers that are decent volume shippers. Um, we start building all their quotes. We might only win 10 of the shipments we quote on, but if we quote it on 100, if we find one lane goes five times in the month, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prepare a plan to build capacity around that and try and get a rate that's competitive with what it went out for to get a better carrier that knows the origin destination and is kind of a go-to carrier. It's going to go more smoothly. You know, that's how we try and transition a lot of customers out of that transactional mindset. Richie, in any in industry, how do you go from transactional to consultant? You become an expert. And that's, and that's the key thing, right? It's, it's, you, you said it earlier. You said niches. You start, you, you start learning. And you, at some point, you've learned a critical mass of information about the industry and about a specific niche, whatever that may be to where you're not calling yourself an expert, 
others are calling you and referring to you as the expert on this matter. You need to go talk to Kevin because he's the expert on heavy haul on this corridor or whatever it may be, because you have that knowledge base. Now you're able to bring something to the table more than a, a truck and a price, right? Yep. And that, that sets you apart and that's going to be your, your underpinning and your foundation of trust. And on that trust, people are going to be more willing to, to you know, commit to long-term agreements and, and business. And I like both of your answers, right? Because Richie is a little bit of philosophy. You have to own your niche. You have to, whatever it is, you have to be considered the expert. And that's getting out there and communicating that to the market. Justin, uh, very good very good how-to you know, in, in the processes, right? You, you don't go from selling to you know, mom and pop uh, you know, transactional businesses from the load list to Fortune 100 companies. You kind of beat around and you find those consistent lanes. It might be one lane here and two lanes there, and you build it that way, but you build that uh, book of business that has some consistency in it, and that gives you, that frees up your time. To actually go out and prospect and and hit those 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 bigger clients, bigger customers, those uh the, those those twenty or thirty lanes that you can grab at once. But this is a longer sales cycle, and you need that buffer. You need that that residual income coming in on those consistent lanes to have the time to go out there and do that. Yeah, I actually really like Richie's answer about uh, being the expert. Um, you know, when, when you start adding value and becoming the expert, it does change the game. Um, because yeah, there's, you can add value by assessing or analyzing their lead time, you know, what the market pressure is like. I mean, a lot of your guys' tools, sonar tools are very beneficial in presenting yourself as the expert. Um, and you can be viewed as an expert if you just know one thing that they haven't, you know, that they haven't figured out before. So um yeah i i like the uh i, I like the, the discussion about how to transition um it's not it's not just an easy thing you actually have to take it down to your marketing material you got to present yourself as the expert and be confident in what you're saying and you know know your stuff of course and that just doesn't go for an individual freight broker that that goes for freight brokerages or three pls the entire organization has to buy in that philosophy as well, because if they don't, it's going to be all over the place. The, the, the mission is going to be all over the place, whether you should be taking this load or, you know, it's just transactional, bidding on everything all day long, or going after Fortune 100 or Fortune 500 or the, these large shippers out there, your, your sales manager, your VP of sales, the owner, it's going to be all over the map. And it depends on what day of the week it is, uh, what you're supposed to be doing that day. Yes, uh, it is important to be aligned as an organization to have an, an identity. Um, you know, I have seen in some companies you can have some A players that transition or transactional business over to consultative or relationship-based business with some dedicate, you know, some dedicated volume. Um, but overall, you kind of need to be marching to the beat of the same drum as a company. Um, you know, it, it will have a big impact. And when you make a decision as a company to start adding more value, get ahead of your customers' needs, understand more about your customers' markets and shipping profile than they've really taken the time to learn themselves, um, you know, that's where that's where you can really turn some corners. You know, I, I would say a lot of transactional brokerages out there 
um, have a lot of ripe consultative business that if they they made the decision as a company, um, sometimes you got to bring on expertise and resources that know how to analyze it and look at it that way. But you know, there's a lot of low hanging fruit with these companies that have long standing relationships but have let them continue on as transactional business. Hundred percent. I mean, it comes down to you got to know what game you're playing. And, and as an organization, you may have a team that's playing the transactional game. You have, you have a team that's playing the, the relationship consultative game. But it's important to communicate to each team what game they're playing and what their objectives are and what they're going after so that they can stay focused and they can be intentional and know their identity and know what they're trying to achieve. That's everything. I mean, I, I, years and years and years ago, I bartended and I would bartend several different things at a time. And I might bartend a wedding or I might bartend at, at a big concert or a, a, a big club, two completely different atmospheres. And, the, and so I'm using that example from real world experience in my life, but you have to know what game you're getting into. And, and I think it's important for teams and managers and organizations to be clear in their communication uh, you know, to those teams to say, you're, this is what you're doing, volume, and just get them in and out. This is what you're doing. You're building trust. You're building relationships. Yeah, that's definitely a good point to be able to transition. Like the focus of your team, are you living on the, on the load boards and the spot market or are you building proactively, building capacity for lanes we know and we've already analyzed? So, yeah, very good points. What about, I'm going to ask you this, Justin, uh, for, for that, that transition from transactional, getting in more of consultative, it's a longer sales cycle. How should freight brokers uh, you know, communicate that or, or present that to the, their management because the, the those the sales cycle, the pipeline management of that is so different. How do you lay the groundwork and and show results? Even though you might have a twelve, you might be talking to somebody twelve eighteen months on the consultative side before you really get in there and, and start business and to to really show that there's value there for you spending your time on this longer sales cycle. Yeah. Um, first of all, start with the relationships you've already got. Um, if you've been in this industry at least a few years on the transactional side, you've got a couple customers that trust you. Um, that's actually the best place to start. Uh, if you're, I, I mean, the reality is, is you don't necessarily want to be selling against me if I'm bringing a consultative approach to your client and talking about their ROI and analyzing how much time they spend on mundane tasks and comparing our, our technology, all of that type of stuff. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't take much to shift the mindset from transactional thinking. So, um, you know, if anyone wants to talk to their boss about transitioning out of transactional, um, show them this video. And the fact is uh, most of your current customers should be, should at least be having that discussion. You know, you, you should be looking to add value um, proactively with them. That's a great place to start. Um, long-term growth. I actually, I, I like what Richie was saying about having teams that specialize in those types of things, because if you have, it, it is a shorter sales cycle. If you shorten the sales cycle to bring good business in the door, but still raise your standards. Well, a third of those companies that you bring in transactionally could be converted to, um, consultative or relationship customers. So, you know, we call them partnerships. So if, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great way to build your, your partner approach. You're sitting there talking, Justin, and I, I read back behind on the board, the U.S. Navy SEALs quote, 
And that's a, that has answered the same question as well. It, it, does that say slow is smooth and smooth is fast? Is that that's, what it says? That, yeah, that's correct. And, you know, the fact is we, we see what happens when we go too fast through a sales cycle. There's nothing smooth about it. In fact, it's, it causes more disruption. So um, when we slow down and take the time to ask the right questions, ask questions the customer hasn't been asked before, um, then you start to realize why they've had a revolving door of brokers. Um, so, yeah, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. If we take our time to do it right, we're going to end up with acquiring more customers that's good business with low, low turnover. That's awesome. That is awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Justin. It's been a pleasure having you on. How does, uh, how does our audience reach out and, and contact you directly, learn more about Concept Logistics? Yeah, jsmith at conceptintl.com is my email address. Uh, our new website, you can still see us at uh, conceptlogistics.com, but uh, our new facelift will be coming out in about a month and a half. So, yeah, that's how you reach us. Thanks for having me on, guys. You bet. Thanks, Justin. Justin, another one of my favorite quotes was uh, right above that. I, I couldn't read the one above it. You, you, don't, you don't rise to the level of your expectations. You fall to the level of your training. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. And uh, sales is all about training. It's about honing your skills. It's about uh, repetition, getting the reps in. You have to get the reps in. You have to make those calls. You have to make those presentations. You have to get in front of people and hear them tell you no a lot. And if you know why people are saying no, then you can change it. If you are too fast, just the second quote, if you're too fast, you're not asking the right questions, you don't really know why they're saying no. And if you don't know why, you have a lot of problems on your hands. Yeah, you got to be aware and you have to listen. If you're taking your time, you're, you're, you're making space to listen. And listening is so important. And if you're not creating space to listen appropriately, you're missing stuff. Missing a lot. It is active listening is, is one of the most important skills. I definitely, let, let's talk about sonar now. Let's talk about the week in sonar. Let's talk about the chart of, of the week and what we have going on in the market. You know, this is the intelligence, the, the, the niche, what Justin was saying as well. To be an expert in anything, you just have to know just a little bit more than the person you're talking to. That's it. It's as easy as that. And with this information, with sonar, we're doing maritime imports. That gives you the, the, the key to close more deals. So let's throw it up and, and, and analyze this chart. Yeah, so I picked the Port of Baltimore um, partially because, um, you know, rest in peace, Michael K. Williams. Uh, huge fan of The Wire. Uh, devastated to hear that news yesterday. Best show ever? Uh, it's, it's in the top two for me, personally. I, I, I think so, too. I think, I, I think it's, a, a, it's just such a well-done show. And Omar, which was uh, Michael Richardson's uh, character, was one of the greatest characters, yes. one of the most complex characters. And what that character did for bringing humanity to a you know part of society that is oftentimes you know not given the humanity that it deserves, it was incredible. In season two, we were talking about it. Season two, Baltimore, Maryland. Yep. Here yep. we are with the charts. Season two is all about the ports. Exactly. And so I just said, you know what, regardless of what's happening in Baltimore, we're going to show Baltimore on, uh, for the sonar chart on, on this, put that coffee down. And what you'll see is uh, import volumes have come down a bit. They have probably that, that dip that you're seeing might be from uh, the, the holiday break. But uh, the trend, which is the green line, shows that import volumes are starting to cool off a little bit. However, I'm hesitant to use the word trend here. 
because uh, in this day and age with COVID and everything that's happening, uh, I mean, you see how many peaks and valleys there are over the yeah. past few months here. And so uh, I think if you were to call anything a trend, it would be volatility and don't trust it too much. But, <laughs> but it does look like import volumes are down a bit, uh, you know, in the foreseeable future here. Yeah, you know, you have the, uh, the, the, the Christmas holiday rush coming in. Most of the, the shipments are in the port now. So we'll see, you know, seasonally it kind of trails off from here. But again, trends, seasonality. I think last week's show we talked a lot about is seasonality dead in, in the market. And I don't know if it's the, the future of seasonality is gone, but I can guarantee you that seasonality is uh, all over the place right now. So there's not a clear seasonal trend for, for most products whatsoever. We may need to even redefine the, the, the term trend for, for post-pandemic. Right? <laughs> I know. It's been a great show. Thanks for, for watching today. Uh, put that copy down every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. You can catch it on tv.freightwaves.com on demand and on your podcast, Freightcast, or put that copy down. Just Google that and download it wherever you download your podcast. But until next week, make some sales. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive, because when is expensive? I got expensive, because when is expensive? I've been reading out of work. And I've been shutting out the stars.